Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Uh, here we are in the middle of October. It's Halloween time coming up, and so Craig and I are looking for Halloween movies to do. As we've mentioned before, it gets to slim pickings a little bit because we've been doing this so long, and we got to do f- at least four every year, right? Right. And this time around, uh, we found a movie that, although it's not a Halloween movie, it's set during Halloween. And so during a lot of scenes uh, of this film, even though they really don't explicitly reference Halloween too much, except toward the end, you do get get some pumpkins in there you get some decor here and there references to the halloween dance coming up and stuff like that so hey well we, we take what we can get right oh I mean, come on there's a huge halloween aesthetic here i mean there's pumpkins everywhere they carve jack-o'-lanterns that's what i'm saying point. yeah <laughs> but it's not like you know they go out trick-or-treating it's not like it's about people wearing masks and doing halloween stuff that, all like, right all right well, you know what i mean Come on. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely seasonal, though, and and that's that's good enough for me. Okay, okay. Well, the movie is The Guest uh, from 2014 uh, by Adam Wingard. He's pretty famous. Actually, the writer and director of this film are also pretty famous for doing Your Next, uh-huh. which uh, came a little bit before this and uh, is a film that I think well, we've done on the podcast yeah. and uh, we've enjoyed quite a bit. It, this whole, I don't know, this whole like school, I guess, of people... Adam Wingard, Ty West, these folks are have been doing some pretty interesting things with horror, uh, I think, in the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years or so. And I got the, the same vibes, you know, the same flavor, the same vibes from this movie that I get from his other movies. And I, I, I can't quite pinpoint what it is. I don't know if it's a style or if it's a sort of st- kind of cinematography or if it's just a, a type of writing, but it's growing on me. It really is. I think if you listen to some of the earlier things we've said about these filmmakers, uh, I've been a little more eh about them. I was even a little eh about your next. But this movie, one could say, is even more straightforward and more simple and even, I don't know, it's not that original, really. It's, no. It's it's like the hand that rocks the cradle or something like that. The, the single white female, you know, like, you know, this where where you've got a person who at first seems, you know, very normal. But then I, there are clear signs that they've got to screw loose and it's dangerous. It's a trope that you see fairly often, I would say, really. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's... that's I mean, that's all right. As long as it's done reasonably well it, it can still be exciting i would say to me this movie feels like more of a thriller than a horror movie yeah um, i'm cool with calling it horror that's fine but it does seem more like a, a thriller to me on imdb they characterize it as like a, a thriller comedy i didn't see <laughs> did i mm. totally miss some comedy that was going on here because i didn't think it was funny <laughs> <laughs> there are little snippets of comedy here and there like black comedy i think especially toward the end especially maybe at the very end right but you're right it's not really funny the subject matter isn't all that funny either right it this guy just kind of totally takes over these people's lives, invades their home in a way, gets into the trust circle of this family through their son, Caleb, who has died. We we never meet Caleb. This is after, you know, the beginning of this movie, but or before the beginning of this movie. But their son, Caleb, apparently is a, is a war veteran. And this guy shows up. His name is David. He shows up at the house. My name is David. Mrs. Peterson, I, uh, I knew your son, Caleb. And we trained together and served together and uh, 
Well, we came to be good friends. Oh, um... Well, uh, would you... Would you like to come inside? Thank you, ma'am. And he tasked me with coming and telling you guys that he loves you all. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm here for. I'm just fulfilling a dying man's wish, which uh, touches the mother. Some of the rest of the family thinks it's a little weird, but they're all just kind of uncomfortable about it because of the fact that here they've been trying to repair their wounds, I think, from this kid's death. And uh, here's this guy tearing them open a little bit just by his very presence. Again, it's just like any of these movies. It, it even follows that predictable path, right, of uh, what you know from the beginning that this is going to be, and, 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 I, and to, I mean, to their credit, the filmmakers know you know from the beginning. They're not really trying to hide any of this. I think within the first five minutes, they're making you suspicious of this guy. Oh, yeah. You know what kind of movie you're in for. It's called The Guest, and it really goes through the paces, I think, just almost paint by numbers. I mean, that sounds disparaging to say, but to be honest, the movie kept my interest, and I found it not 100% predictable. I, I knew kind of in what direction it was going, but I didn't quite know how it was going to get there, and so I found that part a bit entertaining. And then, of course, you always want to know where it's going to end up. And so all those things together, I have to say, I, I enjoyed it, but I'd never heard of it before. How about you, Chris? No, I No, I had never heard of it either, and, and it came out in 2014, and it opened in theaters, and it did reasonably well. And I, I don't know how I missed it entirely but i did and i don't know i thought it was okay i didn't think it was great i actually thought your next was far more clever yeah um, oh for sure and and enjoyable but a wholly different kind of movie yeah different the thing that i'll give it credit for is that it doesn't at least initially seem entirely unrealistic you know this guy shows up they're mourning the loss of their son and brother the mother seems to be the one who's having the most difficulty processing it which is believable i i totally get that he's a connection that can be made to the son and and brother that they lost and so the mom who is the one who has been struggling with the most it doesn't take long i mean it, it seems like she's a little bit reticent for a couple of minutes but as soon as she starts talking to this guy he draws her in and he tells her why he's there, which, you know, she has to excuse herself to cry for a little bit. And then she comes back. There's a, a photograph on their mantle of Caleb with his uh, regiment. And David points and says, hey, look, there's me. And, and it is him. So, yeah, you know, no you question. believe him. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you believe that he knew their son and and was connected to him and so it makes sense to me that she would then embrace that and and basically what happens is she invites him to stay and and he doesn't impose himself you know he doesn't ask to stay he he basically says you know i i came here to tell you what he wanted me to tell you and you know now i'll go but she says oh no no please stay you're welcome to stay with us and he basically says yeah i'll stay for a night or whatever and then the rest of the family especially the father and the daughter there's there are two kids there's a a daughter and a son they're both teenage well no excuse me the daughter's actually in her early 20s she's 20 i think she's turning 21 in like a week or something and then the the son is still in in high school the daughter and the dad are initially more skeptical but eventually they get on board too you know the dad drinks <laughs> yeah argue 
arguably a little bit too much. Um, you know, after he gets a few drinks in him and he convinces David to have a drink with him, they kind of talk and, and David charms his way in. The daughter is skeptical at first too, but eventually she kind of comes around. And I think that it's believable because this actor who plays David, his name is Dan Stevens. And not that it would necessarily matter so much to the dad, but he's, smoking hot (laughs) (laughs) he is a charming dude he is and he's super super charming um and he has these beautiful blue eyes and so i could see how one could easily be taken by him and he's so not imposing you know yeah the the dad asks him you know what's what's your plan after this he's like oh well i thought i'd probably leave tomorrow and hop on a bus and go down to Florida and look for work or whatever. And the dad virtually insists that he stays longer until he gets on his feet or figures out what he wants to do or whatever. And so it's just kind of a perfect setup. If, if this guy is meaning to infiltrate this family, I mean, he nails it, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, and it's interesting because even by the end of the day, I'm not sure he was. Uh, it's, I guess we'll talk about it when we get there, but even his motivations for really going to this family and doing this, I'm, I'm not entirely clear. That's the biggest problem that I have with this movie is that it's not clear. It's not clear really why he's there, why he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He, you know, supposedly has this kind of, this history in the military and and you know eventually the daughter gets kind of suspicious and starts to investigate and it becomes clear that he's a dangerous person and he was involved in some kind of you know highly confidential program that the military is now trying to cover up and but i never really understood who he was or what he was or what his purpose was And I read that in the initial cut, it was like 20 minutes longer, and most of what they cut was the explanation for who he was. I guess the uh, test audience thought that that stuff was either confusing or boring, and they didn't like it, and the filmmakers were actually kind of glad because that wasn't their favorite part of the movie anyway, so they cut it all out. But it left me with a lot of questions at the end of the day. Yeah, and like in this scene with with the dad, you get this almost, they drop kind of a tantalizing little tidbit of information here because uh, the dad is clearly like an alcoholic. At least he drinks a ton. Uh, and yeah. uh, he really opens up to him because uh, he's dr- he, they've had like four or five beers together. And the dad stands up and he walks away and he's like, I'm going to we need to grab a couple more. Are, are you good? And he's like, yeah, I'll have a couple more. And then the dad makes a comment. He says, wow, you can really put away your alcohol. Mm-hmm. And David just kind of nods and he said, aren't you tired? And he says, no, nah, I don't get much sleep, it, which is mm-hmm. kind of a sinister thing. You're thinking, OK, something's off about this guy like is he a human, you know? Why is he completely unfazed by this alcohol? Why did he say he doesn't really need sleep? And then there are a couple things a little later on that hint to the fact that maybe there's something a little supernatural about him, or at least superhuman. Um, Right. And then even by the end, of course, and we'll get there too, all of that 
dropped and said, it still doesn't explain everything. Like, even if you know his background, and I went on IMDb and I read, I, I think maybe Wikipedia or IMDb or someplace where it, it just told you basically what the things were that they left out, some of the details about his background, that he was a super soldier type thing. He got injured uh, in some accident and had some spinal injury. And so the military brought him in for this kind of top secret program that basically made him unable to feel pain and gave him a whole new spine and and almost like uh, superhuman powers in a way. Right. But then it also made him incapable of empathy Mm -hmm. and yeah. Yeah. And, so. and later the guy even says, because we bring in the military and we're jumping all over the place here, but you know, later there's a, oh, a guy at this agency. It's not necessarily military, right? It's probably some corporation who nevertheless says, you know, this guy's been programmed to neutralize any, you know, it's kind of like a Robocop. They do whatever it takes to protect the secret of who he is and where he's from and, and the company and all that stuff. Okay. All of that said. <laughs> There's still nothing in there to, that explains why, except for his connection with Caleb, he visited this family, sort of infiltrates this family, and starts helping them out to these sinister ends, right? It, it right. still doesn't explain any of that, the motivation. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's, it's still entertaining to watch, and it's yeah. still creepy to watch. But things, I, I have to say, too, that, you know, things get really kind of creepy really weird, really quickly. Like, they embrace this guy so much that, like, the second day he's there, they send him to pick up their kid from school. Like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> it is weird. Um, yeah. The younger kid, he's kind of, I don't know, a nerdy frumpy kind of kid and he's getting bullied at school and david notices that he's got like a black eye and and so when he picks him up he says i want you to show me who hit you and the kid's like well it doesn't matter and he's like well i'm not gonna do anything i just i just want to know and so he shows him but then david follows these kids out of the parking lot and follows them down the highway, and the the kid, I don't remember, his name was Luke, I think, yeah. Luke, the son, is like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just seeing where they're going. He says, they're, they're turning into this bar. Luke's like, yeah, this bar will serve football players. David says, well, I could use a drink. You want one? And Luke's like, no. <laughs> He's like 16 or something. But Dave's, all right, well, I'm going in. I guess you can hang out out here if you want to. But eventually Luke goes in and they're sitting there together. First of all, they get carded. David's like, well, did you card those guys? So the bartender's like, all right, what do you want? And I can't help but notice those ladies over there are drinking cheap beer. That seems like a shame to me. I'd like to buy each one of them a blowjob shot. Are you serious? I am. Yes. Do you want to buy anything for their fellas? Do I look like I'd like to buy something for their fellas? Might be the polite thing to do. Sure, okay, fine. Let me get each one of those guys at Cosmopolitan. One of the boys comes over and says, thanks. For, and I don't know. I mean, like, it's all kind of a setup. I didn't really see it coming in the moment, but it seems like he had a plan 
in mind because he ordered for himself what they called a fireball, which, you know, I've heard of fireball whiskey, but apparently this is whiskey and a bunch of Tabasco sauce. So when this guy comes over, he's like, thanks for the drink, but I don't want it. And he throws it in David's face and David doesn't really react. Although this guy is a really good actor, like you can kind of just very subtly see like fury in his face for a moment, but then Mm. he composes himself and wipes his face off. And he says, maybe you'll like this better. And he throws the fireball in this guy's face, which blinds him. So it it makes me think that that was his plan all along, all along. And then there's an awesome bar fight, (laughs) like, like (laughs) almost like a Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of deal where David, (laughs) like, Kicks everybody in the bar's ass single-handedly. Yeah. And it looked great. It's shot really well. It's choreographed really well. It was really fun to watch. Yeah. You know, a lot of the movies that way, and the violence in this movie is really brutal. I, there's not a lot of blood or anything, but when when somebody's kicking or punching or hitting somebody, I mean, you hear the snap and you see the, the action. It, yeah. It's clear and it's, uh, it's good. It's crisp. This guy seems like a real problem for anybody who's going to cross him. He comes across as extremely dangerous and a little unhinged. Um, Yeah. Oh, totally unhinged. And he incapacitates them. Like you hear their bones breaking. And by the end of it, all of those guys, those high school football players are on the ground, like writhing in pain, like they can't even get up. And then he's also super manipulative. You know, he's like, you should call the cops and tell them what really happened. And then he lays out the what really happened story. Like these boys were causing trouble and you can't really describe the other guy. And and for whatever reason, he has a ton of money. Again, that's never explained either. But like he's just got, you know, a stack of hundreds in his pocket at all times. And he lays out a few hundred bucks on the table and he's like for the damages. And so they just walk away from it free and clear. So this guy, you know, he's he's a physical menace, but he's also smart and really, really good at manipulation. And also smoking hot. <laughs> I, so it, so in October, you know, I, I joke about my partner on here a lot, but he's actually a really great guy and he doesn't like horror movies. But in October every year, he'll watch them with me for the whole month and not complain about it. And we watched this together. We, we just kept saying, oh, my God, he is so ugly. If I have to look at him for one more second, I'm just going to throw up. <laughs> he hilarious. told me last night, he's like, make sure to talk about how smoking hot he is. <laughs> like, Don't worry, I will. <laughs> you, he's... He's hot to the point of of parody. I mean, it's like it's like could they have found a guy more attractive for this movie who every time the camera comes in on his face, every hair is in the right spot, his eyes uh-huh. are just sparkling. You know, I mean, it's just kind of insane. Well, yeah, I was going to say they like they they cast kind of against type because I guess this guy had previously been known for being a regular on Downton Abbey, which I don't watch, so I, I didn't recognize him from that. But I guess he was kind of schluppy and chubby in that show. And then um, right before this movie, he had done another film 
where he had to be super, super emaciated. And that's what he looked like when they auditioned him. And they really liked him and they really wanted to cast him. But it was part of his contract that he had to bulk up. And so like he went on this huge exercise regimen and really just bulked up for the part. I didn't notice so much. Like, I feel like I subtly noticed, but the filmmakers say if you're watching, you can tell that his body is drastically different in different parts of the movie because they shot it out of sequence. And he has one shirtless scene where he's just in a towel. And they saved that to shoot at the very end because they knew that was their money shot and they wanted wanted him to be as ripped as he could possibly be in that shot. And he is. Yeah. And he looks fantastic. You know, it's it's interesting. I would have just thought that this was some pretty boy actor. um, Yeah. And I would have been fine with that. But apparently, you know, it was very character driven. They wanted him to work for this body and he did. Well, it served him well because a couple years after this movie, he played uh, the Beast in the Disney's um, live-action Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, and yeah, he looks great in there. And then since then, he's been on Legion, the TV series, which I I kind of recognized him from. I don't watch the show, but I've seen like clips from it and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, this guy's this guy's working. (laughs) He's he's been doing like five or six projects a year for a long time. Oh yeah, and he's a great actor, and he's great in this. He is. He's really good. And he's he's good not only in the fact that he looks really good. I mean, that's a bonus. No, he's but, a great actor. Um, he is. And, and he can do some really subtle things with his facial expressions. And I don't know. You know, I'm sure it was part character choice, part directoral choice. But they said anytime you see him in close up, he almost never blinks. Mm. And they they did that intentionally to highlight that there was something off about him. Um, something maybe superhuman to some extent. Well, and and I and I noticed and uh, it, it it's effective. It's creepy. It's unsettling. Well, and you know, uh, you notice almost a little too much. I don't know. I, the movie just is very bold in the way that it it just throws all its cards on the table. And I feel like maybe that's maybe this is one of the things that throws me off a little bit about Adam Wingard and Ty West and their style is that their movies take some pretty big risks and they are pretty bold and they just do lay it out there. And usually it works for them. But it's a little jarring for me. You know, I sort of expect the filmmakers to pretend a little bit, like to drop little breadcrumbs instead of just from the very beginning, like this guy's bad and we're going to make it obvious to you that this guy's bad from the very beginning. You know, usually movies at least pretend that they're going to string you along and slowly reveal to you just how bad they are. I actually kind of liked that about this movie because I felt like we were a step ahead of the other characters in the movie. We get the impression right away that there's something off about him. But I also believed that he was charismatic enough to fool the characters. And so I was just kind of waiting for him to reveal himself or for them to pick up on the little things. I don't know. It it worked for me that we were a step ahead uh, of the other players. But I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's just economical. Uh, you know, it's just it's just different. You know, it's it's very different, and it's what kind of made this movie a little different from like, again, I just kind of think of like the hand that rocks the cradle and 
some of these other films where it, you even know going in. I mean, you've seen the previews. You know what kind of movie you're going to see. Uh, but but usually it's it's done a little more slowly. And this way, it's just kind of a matter of seeing how things unfold and figuring out his motivations and what's going on. And you're right. Everything else is quite realistic. The fact that the daughter, it's hard to say. She's maybe a little skeptical, but maybe just more disinterested. And as she expresses it to her boyfriend, Zeke. So that friend of your brother's, is he sticking around? I hope not. Why? You said you liked him. I said he seemed nice. It's not the same thing. I don't not like him. It's just, I don't... I mean, you kind of knew Caleb. We've all... I just know mom and dad have been trying to move on. It's not like they don't have enough reminders in this town. I guess we just don't need a walking, breathing reminder of him right now, you know? But it's interesting to see her also kind of turn around. She, I mean, she ends up being taken in by his charms. She's going to a party. Anna's going to a party. And the mom says, you should take him. And she's resentful. She doesn't want to, but she does. And then at this party, you know, he plays it very cool. Like he smokes weed with them and he gets along well with her friends, especially, you know, one of her girlfriends that she works with. He stands up for her when her shitty boyfriend shows up or ex-boyfriend shows up he smashes this guy's head in the into the wall <laughs> like fantastic. within 30 seconds of meeting him um, <laughs> and gets him out of there and then of course you know that girl takes him in the back and bones him i don't think that anna knows that i think that she's out of the room when that happens and then anna you know has a fight with her boyfriend and you can just tell that she's starting to look at him in a different way and surprise he's super hot like <laughs> she's a 20 something girl i don't know i assume he's supposed to be in his 20s it would be hard not to fall prey to his wiles you know if anything um, it's it's inconceivable that it didn't happen a little sooner <laughs> right right <laughs> right uh, but and he even like he's I don't know if it's flirting exactly, but he's being very charming with her. Like he won't allow her to drive because you're stoned. And she says, well, you smoke, too. And he's like, yeah, but I'm bigger than you. And then he goes around and he opens the passenger side door for her. And he, you know, listens to her talk about her boyfriend and why they're fighting or whatever. And he says something like, well, if I had a girl like you at home, I wouldn't have gone off to war. <laughs> Right, right. It's so corny, and, but it works. And he's like, oh, I really like your music. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just a mix I made. And he's like, well, I wish you'd make me one and put this song on it. Like, like <laughs> they're exchanging mixtapes like it's 1996. Like, <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's very it's very flirtatious and 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 charming and then she she runs in you know at, at some point she has to go i don't know if she has to go to work or she has to go somewhere or whatever and she pounds on the bathroom door thinking her brother's in there and then he comes out in his towel slung really low around his hips and you know <laughs> yeah obviously she appreciates his form you know I, <laughs> there's steam coming out from, from the room uh -huh. behind him it's so funny right. <laughs> but then weird things start happening anna does some research she calls i don't know the military i don't know who you call when you call the military but she calls them and asks about him and the the, the person that she's talking to is on a computer 
and an alert comes up on the computer right away. Contact the KPG. Is that what it was? Something like that. Some organization contact them immediately. And then you see these shots of like these, you know, shady government figures talking about him. And they're like, no one can know that the subject is still alive. And all of that is kind of interesting, but it left me wanting an explanation that we never really get. Yeah. It's just, you know, like they're after him. They know he's dangerous, but we don't really get an explanation of why it even begs questions like that are never really answered and uh, that maybe Caleb was a part of this too. Right. I think, I think he was, well, yeah, it's hard to say really, but then, you know, I read something that said, well, no, this guy was, was brought into this program after he suffered the injuries that maybe killed Caleb, you know, that they really literally were, he really was at his side. They both kind of suffered from this explosion or whatever. Caleb died and and David survived, and he was brought into this program because of his, you know, his his injuries. Apparently, these scenes were shot after. These scenes were added to the movie later to add a little bit more explanation. So, in one hand, the, the test audiences thought there was a little too much explanation in some aspects, but then when you took all that out, uh, they needed a little something else to because because the just the government agents suddenly showing up at this house later on where they have this big firefight later was a little too abrupt. Like people didn't really know where it was coming from. Fair enough. So we get a little bit of introduction to them here earlier. And so, and those, those scenes, honestly, they do feel a little stuck in. I don't know what it is about them, even though it, it kind of makes sense to put them in the movie. There's something about the tone or the pacing, or maybe just the fact that we've had, we've spent so much time with this family in this extremely domestic setting for so long that to suddenly jump us out to a government agency and bring this movie out to that world felt really unnatural. <laughs> yeah. You know, it reminds me, it reminds me a little bit of cabin in the woods, you know, where you've got kind of this traditional horror movie going on, but then it keeps cutting back to this government agency who's involved somehow. Yeah. Um, I think that Cabin in the Woods does it much more seamlessly where, you know, you understand what the connection is, but it's that abrupt shift in style and tone that reminds me of this a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But David talks to, I think, uh, a drug dealer at the party or something is like, can you get me some guns? And he's like, yeah, sure. I know a guy. So David meets these guys in the desert and the gun dealer is Ethan Embry. I love Ethan Embry. <laughs> um, but uh, he's got like this whole arsenal of like military grade weapons. And David's like, I'll take them all. And he's like, oh, cool. Well, if you'll take them all, I'll cut you a deal. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to pay for him. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And then he does. He uh, just, you know, in cold blood kills both of them and takes all their money. Well, and he shoots the guy. This guy's got this huge running start to, to run away from him. And he calmly turns around and reloads the gun and, and, and turns back around, takes aim, and is able to shoot this guy with a handgun uh, mm-hmm. from so a far away that it doesn't even make sense. But the, again, that kind of gives you this feeling that there's something a little supernatural about him 
or once again, because we've seen those scenes with the government agents, maybe there's more than just his body being able to, you know. I mean, it's it's a little much. It's, okay, so apparently he can't feel pain up anymore. He can't feel empathy anymore. He He's able to aim and shoot a gun from afar, like in a way that yeah, shouldn't like even be possible. Yeah, yards at least, right. You know, he's super strong to be able to beat these people up without, a, you know, got these split-second reflexes. Everything about him just points like he's freaking RoboCop. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. it's, it's intriguing the way the movie builds this up. You're just seeing more and more and more of his talents, and you're wondering, is this even a man? The government agency thing, at the by the end of the day, I feel like almost kind of like undercuts that a bit. It's like, oh, he's just some government experiment. But I don't know. I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say is it's almost he's like too good for government work. <laughs> <laughs> good one. <laughs> no, I mean, I it's you know he's a super soldier. Yeah, I. I I get that. We've seen that in movies before, too. I mean, it's not necessarily really believable in the real world, but it's not like a new concept that we've never seen before. No, it's not. Um, but. but, you know, just random things. He's just off. And and you can tell, like, when in the first conversation that he had had with the dad, the dad had lamented about losing a promotion to somebody who was younger and less experienced, but who had a college degree. And we find out via a phone call that that guy and his girlfriend had been murdered in their home. And now the dad gets a promotion. So, you know, obviously David killed them, but it's almost like he killed them in the service of the family. Yeah. So you don't really know what his, motivations are and he's trying to help this kid luke they carve pumpkins together and um david's like your mom's knife sucks and he pulls out like a butterfly knife and carves it and then he gives the knife to luke and he says never let anyone pick on you otherwise you'll carry it with you the rest of your life and those kids at school they're bigger than you yeah and bring a knife to school they take it off you and beat you up. You go around their houses at night and burn them down with their families inside. What's the worst they can do? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. But the kid, you know, uh, kind of takes it to heart. And the next time that he does get bullied in school, he does fight back. It's violent. And I was afraid that he was going to pull that knife out and, and stab the kid. But he doesn't. Um, but nonetheless, he gets expelled. But again, weird, like the mom and David come to the school yeah. to talk to the principal. Like, why? Why would David go there? Why would he go in? Why would he even be allowed to go in? Like, yeah. that doesn't even make any sense. But again, he's got a great, I love the this clip. You know, the kid, the one Luke hit in the face. What did he call Luke? I don't think that's relevant to this conversation. Did he call him a faggot? I believe that's the word that was used, yes. But that's no excuse. So that makes it a hate crime. What? A hate crime. And I'd like to know how many others have been perpetrated against her son under your watch. A gay student targeted with physical violence finally defends himself. And you're, what? Suspending him? We could consider suspension. No, you couldn't. 
I'll be interested to see what the board makes of you when this is in front of the entire country, not to mention our lawyers. Do you want to sue them? I, I, I don't. Um... We're suing you and the school board. He's good. He's very manipulative uh, and good at getting his way, even in nonviolent fashion. Yeah, I mean, he's he's good mentally, he's good physically. He's, yeah, he's a crazy, crazy-ass super soldier. Then he also frames... Uh, the girlfriend's deadbeat boyfriend, the girl, uh, Anna's deadbeat boyfriend. He drops mm-hmm. the gun in his van or whatever, and then the police pull over the van, find the gun that killed uh, the gun dealer, uh, and then the, the cops go to his house and find out all the drugs he's got, and he's been dealing as well. So the, he says, I'm going to be in jail for a while. And so it's like he's trying to help this family in a way. He's clearing the way for them. He's helping out both the kid He's helping out Anna in a way that she wouldn't really like, but she's, he's getting this guy out of, out of her way. He does all these things, but then the guys show up. The KPG or the whatever? The KPG shows up at the house. Anna does some research, right? She steals his phone, and she looks through his phone numbers and decides she's going to try calling some of them, um, trying to get her brother involved to find things out. And so Luke does some investigation of his own, and... He kind of figures it all out. Yeah, and this was one of my favorite parts, too, because after David kind of, you know, saves his skin at school, Luke approaches him and says, because he's got it all figured out, I know that you're not really who you say you are. I know that you're not really David, uh, whatever the last name was that he gave. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, really? I didn't know that. Who is he then? Yeah. And, and he's uh, like, I know you killed these people, and I know you killed those people and all that. And he's just rattling And I off. don't care. And I don't care. Yeah. And he's like, well, why do you think I would do that? He's like, oh, I just figure it's because you're part of some government experiment. I mean, he just kind of like basically lays the whole thing out. He says, I'm not going to tell anybody. And, and David's like, why not? He's like, because you're my friend. And like, I... <laughs> I just thought that was really clever writing like this kid who's been bullied and who I'm sure has been, you know, it, it's been made clear that he doesn't have any friends. Now here's this cool kick-ass guy who's got his back. You know, he doesn't. Uh, so you killed my dad's boss. I don't care. I'm not going to tell anybody cause you're my friend. And it's kind of twisted, but at the same time I bought it. Yeah. And it, and ratchets up the tension because you're wondering how's David going to react to this? Is he, is he going to have to neutralize this kid too? Right. Um, but he's got to keep him alive at least a little while longer to pump him for more information. He says like, well, who else knows? And uh, he says, well, I think my, well, of course my sister, he's like, and then, and then she probably told her friend who is the woman that he had helped earlier at the party. So uh, instantly now Luke has put the family in danger. So now it's sort of the switch, right? Now he's been helping the family all this time. Now we're a little worried that the family's going to have to suffer some consequences because it's more important that, that he keeps his secret. Right. And that that's when the KPG or whatever shows up and everything, you know, it's like his initiative just immediately switches it's no longer about taking care of this family it's about protecting himself and that whole you know gunfight again i thought was great i mean it just looked 
aesthetically it looked fantastic um and there are several nods uh to halloween in this movie but you know the mom is hanging sheets when the swat team or whatever they are shows up and like the sheets are blowing in the wind and they say they're there for david and the mom says oh well he just went inside and then the sheet blows to the side to reveal him standing there with a laundry basket, you know, kind of like the Michael Myers reveal behind the sheets or whatever. And he runs inside and grabs his gun and there's this huge firefight and he gets inside and the mom is in there too. And they end up in the same place and she says, you're a liar. You lied to us. And he says something like, no, I, I, I told you the truth. I really did know him and I really was there with him. But then she cries out to the other people, he's here and he just shoots her. Like, (laughs) I I really didn't see that coming. Well, what he says is, he says, "Your, your son and I were part of the same program. And so he would understand what I have to do here and he's got yeah. a knife and he's about to stab her and that's when she screams out and oh he that's just, right he just stabs her there yeah I didn't see that coming either it was it was really sad uh, it was very much out of left field because this is just a minute after he starts actually apologizing this is where it gets a little funny right is because in the middle of this firefight he's having this almost sincere conversation with her being all apologetic like I'm really sorry I didn't really mean for it to come to this and I didn't mean to impose upon you you people and that's the setup that makes it so jarring that he ends up stabbing her. And then, you know, he, he manages to get out. He takes off in a truck uh, going down the road, flying down the road, and the father is coming towards him. He recognizes the father's truck, so he buckles in, and he rams this guy head on, which he knows is going to pretty much kill him, and he walks around to the side of the door and shoots him point blank to finish the job. Which I still don't really understand. I mean, at this point, is he just going to have to take them all out just because they know about him now i mean is yeah, that that's it's a little hazy right and this is the explanation given by the the special agent whose uh, name is richard and he's played by a very you know very recognizable um yeah character actor named uh lance reddick major carver he's 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 decent in this film he he's you know improbably kind of last man standing in all these firefights for a while and he goes after him and i think at some point he manages to grab anna before david can and so in right. the car, he explains everything to her. Again, a little improbably, yeah. because aren't they supposed yeah, to be keeping have... this a secret? <laughs> I know. I just have written down exposition. I don't remember <laughs> what it is, so <laughs> you're going to have to fill me in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once again, it's like his whole the whole motivation for them doing what they're doing is to try to cover this up. So I'm not sure why he's telling this 20-year-old girl in the car everything that's going on. But he basically says that David was part of the super secret program and he had this injury. And uh, after the injury, they he, he agreed to undergo this treatment or this whatever, the super secret deal that gave him like a new spine, a metal spine and made him invincible. And they also had targeted him because of his empathy, like specifically because he was such a nice yeah. guy. But something about whatever they did to him actually eliminated his empathy. And he said it's in his, he's programmed. He said basically this guy's programmed to neutralize uh, any knowledge of him or KPG or the company or the program. The idea is it's a sort of a Manchurian candidate kind of thing where now that switch has been flipped in his brain that uh, 
other people know and now he's got to go around and kill all the people who could possibly know it's a real jarring switch and maybe that's what feels a little off about the movie to me is you have this clever sinister deceptive superhuman guy who's worming his way into the family in these really smart ways and really manipulating and then for the last part of the movie the switch that's been flipped in his head and now he's just got to go around and kill everybody come what may which leads to scenes like him going into the diner and he sees Kristen, who is um anna's girl a friend the the girl he slept with at the party right yeah and he says where's anna and she's like i don't know he he left with she she just left well she actually left with that agent and he says okay and he just whips out the gun and shoots her right there in the middle of the entire diner and then (laughs) pops back out to the car comes back in and tosses in two grenades to blow up presumably everybody else in there and uh, and the yep. diner itself. So he, he just gets real sloppy all of a sudden. You yeah. Know? Now yeah. it's like I don't it's even true. care. That's that's where the movie took a strong tonal shift for me. Um, it was just a little jarring. Well, I agree with you um, because he's not nearly as um, skillful in the last act as he has been before. I mean, he takes out an entire bar in act one and then in act three, he gets taken down by a teenager. But yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. I, I do like the uh, set piece for the final act you know it, this this whole showdown takes place at this halloween dance uh, anna finds luke and tells him about david and he's like no it doesn't make any sense david would never hurt us he's our friend and she says well he killed mom and dad <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay then um and so, uh, you know, it becomes kind of this chase through this Halloween dance, which I love. I mean, it's all black lights and decorations. and It's a haunted um, maze. It's like they have to go through a haunted house just to get into this dance. Right. Which is it's a, fun. Yeah, it's a cool uh, it's, concept. It's really fun to watch. And, like, the Halloween 3 masks are projected all over the walls and stuff. That was pretty cool. It's just basically a chase. Like, David is, is looking for Luke and Anna. I, th- I feel like he kills some random guy along the way yeah but um luke has his knife ready and at one point you know when david is coming anna has a gun and she shoots him but she just uh hits him in the shoulder and then david he gets her and he is like choking her right but then luke stabs him it seems like that's kind of the end of it. Like it's they they think he's dead. Yeah. Well, he he stabs him and and he swings around and then I think it either Anna grabs a knife or he's got the knife still and stabs him flat in the chest, like right in the heart. Right. And right. S- yes. And this is again where a little bit of more of the comedy comes in because he falls backwards. It also happens to be like the graveyard scene of the of the gym or whatever, which is interesting. But then mm-hmm. he just looks up at them and he's like, "You did the right thing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of funny again a little off but these guys do this kind of thing and so i was you know i was ready for it but yeah so he's he collapses he's he's dead i mean his eyes are open and he's laying there and he's got a knife in his heart and there's blood and all that stuff and the next scene we see is you know is the aftermath it's all the ambulances and the cops mm-hmm. and people pulling bodies out in gurneys and stuff like that you know and, and Anna and Luke are sitting consoling each other in the back of a ambulance 
and they're watching the people come and go, and out comes a fireman or a person in a fireman's outfit with a limp, just like David had because mm-hmm. he had injured uh, his leg earlier. And he turns and he looks at her, and you can see clearly through the mask that it's him. Mm-hmm. And it just closes in on her face, and she goes, what the fuck? and then that's it that's it right yeah credits really okay i i I liked it i i thought it was you know it's that was funny yeah (laughs) very funny the only way to end a movie like this on a zinger right is to do this it it's uh i don't know you know i like i said uh, it's a perfectly fine serviceable movie i enjoyed watching it uh, there were times in which I really wanted to know what was going on and, and, and how this was going to unfold. There were times when it felt a little false. There were tonal shifts in the movie that were a little jarring and a little weird. Uh, and I think, like I said, this is what I kind of get from these guys' movies a little bit, is they're just bold to do these things. And it's not like it's bad. It's not like it doesn't work for some people. It's just not typical, I guess I should say. Um, and that's not necessarily a criticism. It just uh, was something that was blatantly apparent to me as I watched it and, and doesn't always settle well with me. Maybe I'm just a traditional, like I kind of like stories to be a certain way. Maybe uh, that's my problem. I don't know. I thought that the movie had excellent production value. Yes. You know, I thought that it was shot really well. The fight scenes and the gun showdown scenes I thought were excellent. The acting all around I thought was good. Yeah. Quite good actually. I, I really liked the score and the soundtrack. It had a lot of stuff going for it. You know, the actor Dan Stevens was really pretty to look at for the whole <laughs> movie. Uh, and so my partner and I both enjoyed that aspect of it. I don't really have any criticism of it. I just didn't love it. I just thought it was all right. I would never discourage anybody from seeing it. I think other people might appreciate it more than I did. I mean, it's got good action. I felt like the whole single white female, mysterious, dangerous character was a little cliched, but yeah. so what? So is well, you know, 75% of the stuff that we watch. And I didn't mind that. Uh, you know, like you say, it did feel a little cliched and it did feel a little predictable. And like, okay, he's going to befriend her. And oh, here's a problem with this kid. He's going to solve that. You know, you don't know how it's going to happen, but you kind of know this is the direction it's going to go. I think the questions that are left unanswered are maybe the most frustrating thing about the movie yeah, for me. Agreed. Just like, agreed. why did he even do any of this in the first place? Why did he go to this family and try to solve their problems? Uh, I, I just yeah. don't get that at all. And I still don't get it even at the end. And no. the end is just even a little more confusing. Like, okay, so now he's almost completely invincible dude. Is he just going to walk away? are we setting it up for a potential sequel? You know what? (laughs) Yeah. And so, so it left me with a little bit of that feeling, although I was very entertained by the movie. I agree with everything you said, but it was just, yeah, it it didn't have that satisfying, ah, at the end of it. But again, I would still recommend it. If you haven't seen it, it, it's, it's totally worth an evening. Yeah, it is. It's a totally serviceable action thriller horror film there's a lot of really good stuff going on i agree i agree 
Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this one, please share it with a friend. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find our website. You can just search for us on Google, Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Find our Facebook page. Leave us a message there. Find our um, twoguys.red40net.com where we have all of our back episodes. We're in October now. Uh, if you know of any really good Halloween movies for us to do that would be perfect this month, leave us a comment at one of those two places and uh, we'll consider it. Well, and, you know, we got other good holidays coming up, too. Thanksgiving and Christmas. We love us some Christmas horror movies. If you've got any gems there, let us know about those, too. Those are harder to find than the Halloween ones sometimes. And and even harder than either of those two are the Thanksgiving ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah.